welcome to episode 110 of Indian Podcast. Uh, I apologise for the sound of my voice. Well, not the actual sound of my voice. They should, they, it should sound a bit weird and usual. I've no idea what's happening to it. We will issues. cope. We will cope. Well, we will try anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm Callum Readable Welcome. We are back after a small break. Yeah. A jaunt to the Iberian uh, sunshine. How is Spain and her territories? Uh, suitably folded. I wouldn't have say it was, I wouldn't have say we tore it up. I think it was more of an advanced origami session. <laughs> Rather strenuously folded. Okay. That still sounds good. What, have you got any stories that you're going to regale us with? Regale you with? Um, yes. No, I don't think so. What goes on tour stays on tour. It didn't in Canada. <laughs> well, no, but that, that, they deserve that. <laughs> They're not Spanish TV stars you tried to hunt down. No, sadly. Sadly. I wasn't, okay. I wasn't on the beach looking for Bell and Raider. <laughs> Is she Spanish? I think so. Okay. I get them mixed up. Yeah. Often see inside. You just think she's Spanish. But then again, just because she speaks Spanish, I could be just being extremely uh, stereotypical there. Presumptuous, yeah. yeah. Okay. We Is there any sporting news this week? Or these past two weeks? Nothing that you'd care about. What, what about, does that mean? Is that American stuff? Yeah, right? it's like um, LeBron James um, finding, going back to his hometown team that he just deserted four years ago to go and win some titles. Okay. And they'll have him back gladly, will they? Yeah, Rory McIlroy nailing on Sports Personality of the Year, even if he didn't have it already. <laughs> yep. He's just great. He's He's got to have a chance. I mean, people said this about Tiger Woods, though, as well. But he's got to have a chance of... Nicholas. Win. Yeah. So it's a strenuous ask, though, because you've got to be... You've got to be... It's up game for so long. Yeah, true. Golf, your back goes, and... Yeah, your mind goes. There's so many other people who are at a similar level. Yeah. Um, and the football season starts on Saturday, so. On Monday for certainty. <laughs> oh yes, we have to go to Burnley. <laughs> God, someone's got to. Well, you wouldn't relish it, would you? <laughs> no, quite frankly, it, 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 it's not Valencia. It's not like the Mestia Turf Moor is not. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Mm. Alright, so the week's news. It's, well, the two weeks news, the fortnight's news. Mm. There isn't that much. Mm. But first point of call is a lot of filmmakers rallying um, around the cause of film as opposed to digital because Kodak had plans to close the last remaining film production plant. Right. which is in New York yeah. and then a lot of directors Quentin Tarantino, Nolan Apatow J.J. Abrams, Scorsese um, sort of lobbied for them to um, kind of negotiate a deal, a long term deal mm-hmm. to keep film going um, we got to have a reason for it quite frankly you've got to have directors who are going to be using it yeah and so it turns out Warner Brothers, Universal, Paramount, Disney and the Weinstein Company have committed to buy a set amount for several years. Mm. Um, so that's a good thing, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it does look better, quite frankly. 
But only when you've got a good friend. <laughs> True. And but and Scorsese actually got coming away from that, isn't he, recently? Yeah. Well, but he, Nolan uh, Nolan filmed The Dark Knight Rises in film. Abrams is filming the Star Wars film mm. on film. <laughs> well, um, when I saw uh, The Last Projectionist uh, the other year, that documentary about the cinema that I go to, uh, there was a Q&A afterwards, and uh, the guy uh, who owns the cinema was there, and he said, we had a print of, I want to say it was Julia, but I think it was, let's talk about Kevin. Uh, it was a Tilda Oh, Swinton one of the film. Tilda Swinton ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he said that uh, they had a load of school kids in, and they played one off the digital projector and one off the um, uh, uh, normal uh, one. Off the normal one. He said, and the print. He said it was okay, but he made the. He said it was it was a borderline decision, but everybody could see that the digital one was better. Right. And uh, did that. Now he said, now some of them you get you get a brand new. One, if you get if you get a properly new one, then. Um, it's uh then, then yeah you're gonna go with that every time you you want to but really realistically when you have to pay so much for them and they're so much cheaper on the digital ones it's um and you get subsidised for it it's uh it's a no-brainer and, and it's going there it's on yeah. cost effectiveness well, it's pricing them out of the market isn't it the film yeah. if it's only people that like these big directors that can really I think if, if memory film. serves in the Q and A he said. You can uh, they subsidise it cinemas. It costs something like fifty thousand pounds to switch over to digital, right? Yeah. But the problem is, there's certain small cinemas, independent cinemas, where their turnover for the year will be fifty thousand pounds. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so they're just, they're just those those places, unfortunately, are going to die. It's sad. Mm. It's going to happen. Inevitable. Yep. Um, so, okay, so we have some other news, and we are already onto the foreign film submissions. Really? <laughs> Can you believe it? No. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. isn't it usually October? Oh, this, isn't it October? Second week of August. Three have been announced. This oh, oh okay, August. fine. It's, it's, isn't it October? <laughs> yeah, what, the deadline, you mean? Uh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, without further ado, Turkey have chosen... Uh, Nuri Bulgaserlan so, um, is yeah. Winter's Sleep, the right. three-hour epic talkie film that won the Palme d'Or. Right. Uh, which I, is not going to get nominated. But it's, it's gonna, if it won the Palme d'Or, it's probably going to get added. Well, yeah, it's not going to win then, if yeah. that were. It may get added. But this is the thing, you ne- now, you never know. You know you, now, literally anything can get nominated. But um, yeah, in the past, that would have been a huge no. Yeah. Um, has, anything of his, has anything of his ever got through? I want to say no. Not to the five, right? No. Three Monkeys definitely didn't get... Uh, I don't think that... And uh, That might have been shortlist, Three Monkeys. Uzak, no? um, which is Distance, is the English title. I think that was about 2004, uh, and that one didn't. Uh, I don't think that Climate was submitted. Don't quote me on that one. He's not the type of filmmaker that's going to go down well with... No. The populist members of the academy. No, not at all. Anatolia definitely didn't, right? No, Anatolia wasn't involved. Mm. Um, okay, so Poland—they've chosen Ida, which um, yeah, it's been Irene on mine was, for ages. 
Yeah, Rini was mentioning, I saw it last year at London Film Festival. It's, mm-hmm. it's really good. Um, so that'll be an interesting one because it's only 80 minutes. It's about, you know, a nun. It's sort of like the Polish, the nun story. All right. So it's, it's not a difficult watch. So that is one that might creep through. It's also got the critics on its side. Right. Um, so they've probably chosen right there. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, I don't know. Have you seen any Polish films lately that were eligible? <laughs> no. Uh, well, you see the odd one, don't you? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I'll remind you of something when we stop recording. Okay. Um, so well, who's the third one? third one is Hungary. And they've chosen a film called White God, which is does not seem like it's going to be in the Academy's wheelhouse um, because it's about dogs attacking people. Okay. <laughs> Seems like it's kind of like Rise of the Planet of the Apes but with dogs. And that, film, that film I'd go and see because they wouldn't cast Andy Serkis just because he's the only person with playing an ape on his CV. But not actually <laughs> playing an ape. <laughs> playing an ape as if uh, you, you just look as if you're in hospital because you've had a series of heart attacks. <sighs> Actually, I'm not sure how aggressive the dogs are, but it does seem like a bit of a quirky one, so I'm not sure about that. So we will Is wait... it wrong that I'm picturing the, uh, the nightlife of Sutton when you're talking about the aggressiveness of the dogs? <laughs> My God, not Sutton again after that vicarage anecdote. <laughs> anecdote? <laughs> well, offhand comments. We're dying for the anecdote. <laughs> you want a story behind that one? At least it wasn't a graveyard, right? Shall I make one up and just regale you with it? <laughs> Save it for the end. Yeah. Um, so we'll await more uh, foreign language entries. That Blue is the Worms colour actually is eligible to be chosen. No. Do you think there's any chance they'll choose it? No. France? No. 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 This hasn't... Don't quote me on this, but I think... Two Kachichi films have won Best Picture at the Cesars, and neither of them were chosen to represent the family. So none have been chosen then. I think the year that, that Akustru's won, I think they sent Persepolis. That is. That's a 80% quote me on that one. And that's a bit of a. a bit of a snub for them, considering. Yeah. It's animated, you know. And considering it's not, you can't even really say, oh, well, they're obviously going against the Moroccan guy because they chose a film about a Persian girl. Not exactly mm-hmm. the most French of all things. True. Oh, God, no. Or was that the uh, Vim Secret? No, they didn't send that. Oh, God. They should have sent that little thing, though. <laughs> Total fate. Okay. Um, Alright, so that concludes the news. <laughs> there have been no deaths, no huge deaths, thank God. Well, there's been deaths everywhere else in the world. True. I, yes. watched, I was watching the news when I was on holiday and I just wanted to kill myself afterwards. It's it just, just, it's it's just, just like, awful, isn't like, it? It's like, is, it's like Israel. Uh, sorry, sorry it's, like, it's like Gaza. You've got Ukraine. You've got Iraq. You've got Syria. You've got Brendan Rogers in charge of Liverpool. It's just uh, all depressing. <laughs> Oh, and, and all the, oh, sorry, no, no. All this was happening on a day that was 100 years since the First World War started. I was like, for goodness sake, just get into my head and end it now. 
Where's the, where's the Channel 5 news story about a dog who mysteriously made his way home for like 200 miles? That's what I needed. Homeward bound. Yeah, homeward bound, the true story. Here you go, here you go. here's a shaggy dog story that'll liven up your depressing day of thousands of genocidal deaths. <laughs> and without further ado, preconceptions. <laughs> <laughs> right, this week we are doing Guardians of the Galaxy, Lilting, Under the Rainbow, Mood Indigo, and Welcome to New York. Preconceptions for Guardians of the Galaxy. Trailer was looked crap, quite frankly. Yeah. I thought, I thought it just looked bad. It looked weird. It looked like a film that nobody, nobody gives a crap about. The Marvel are just peddling to make win some more money. Uh, I do like Chris Pratt, obviously. But, um, Indeed. Uh, so, but I was just glad that he was getting the paycheck. Uh, rest of the cast don't really care about. And, uh, yeah, I just wasn't looking for this one. I, Marvel, I'm not a big fan of. Um, I just, I wish that this trend would end and um, superhero movies would stop, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. Right. Uh, just Chris, really, they're just rebooting the Fantastic Four. Yeah, it, it will happen. Uh, people will get sick of it. Like They'll get sick of 3D as well, but yeah. I think there'll probably need to be something to replace it. Yeah, well, so West, westerns have gone out of fashion. Um, genres do die. Who what? Westerns have gone out of fashion over the years. I mean, especially yeah, musicals days. went yeah. out of fashion massively after the sixties. Yeah, they do die. Um, so Chris Pratt, I do like in general. I thought he was really funny in the five-year engagement. Mm. Um, not seeing him that much else. Uh, he's memorable in Moneyball. Oh, oh, of course, yeah. yeah. Although he doesn't have a big role. No. Um, oh, but don't you, don't you know that the only reason the A's did anything was because Scotty H was playing first? <laughs> Whatever. We'll get on to the... <laughs> yeah, having the Cy Young winner and the MVP had nothing to do with it. <laughs> Factual problems with Moneyball there. <laughs> Sorry, retract the clause. <laughs> we do like the film. I do, I love the film, it's great. Um, I didn't know who else was in this, I'll be honest. I just went for Chris Pratt. So. Right, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping... Oh, I knew the reviews were really good. Really? Really. <laughs> I didn't know that you knew it or that the reviews were really good. I just know that I, I just knew it had made a crap load of money. Like, 92 million in its first weekend or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Lilting, Lilting I, I would have wanted to see. Uh, if, if I was, but there's so much this week and I didn't really have that, a tremendous amount of time so uh, uh, we're sure I don't particularly like but I like the sound of the story okay well you did like him in Bright Star though right? that's it's like saying that I like Manhattan but this <laughs> well it's more sensitive performance coming from him so it's mm. he's getting more sensitive mm. Not saying why why that might be, but no, he was sensitive to blame Mr. Keats, and Mr. Keats was all man. <laughs> Whatever. No, <laughs> uh, you just missed the scene where he headbutted Paul Schneider. It's <laughs> all the film was missing. Yeah. Uh, I had heard good things about this. I knew it was kind of a gay drama. I didn't know the director, I just knew Ben Wishaw was in it. He's not a particular draw for me, but mm. he was good in Bright Star. Yes. Um, 
so yeah, I was hoping it was going to be good. Mm. Uh, Under the Rainbow, a uh, big preconception here because Agnes Sherry films I really like. Uh, the last one in particular she did, Let's Talk About the Rain, I, I thought that was absolutely great. Really, they're really funny. Uh, her and her husband uh, write them and star in them, and she directs them. And uh, Jean-Pierre Bacquet's just got the most beautiful, beautifully French scowl face. You know, he's just, just this guy in his 50s, like, with, with, with all his hair's gone. He's just, he just, they're, they're perfect little character act- actors. Um, and uh, so I was... Uh, I think her film um, Taste of Others got Oscar nominated back in 2000 and she also yeah. did Look at Me in 2004 which made a hit at the time um, on the Marge, I think um, French title is um, it used to be pretty big lane at, at the time but no one really remembers it now um, so yeah they've all been like four, four star four, four, seven, eight, nine out of ten for me so I was really really looking forward to it wow I haven't seen any of her films, which is why I didn't see this when it. I think it came out a couple of weeks ago, um, but I did, didn't see it then. So it finally got around to me. That's why we're doing it now. Yeah, uh, Mood Indigo. I well, friend of the podcast, uh, Irene. This was in her top ten of last year because mm-hmm. it has been around the block for a while. It just got around to the UK. Michelle Gondry. Eternal Sunshine is wonderful, um, and I've seen a couple of others of his films. Science not, of Sleep. Uh-huh. I've not seen the Science of Sleep. Right. I saw the um, was it Block Party. Mm. That was him, wasn't it? Uh, didn't he do a Green Hornet or something random? Oh, oh God! Be kind, rewind. Yes, be kind, rewind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah. was all right. Yeah. Um, so, in general, I like Gondry. I think he's interesting. Uh, Roman Durin, Audrey Tattoo in this, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was um, hoping this would be good. Right. Um, welcome to New York. Welcome to New York. Abel Ferrara. Um, I've not seen a great deal of his work. <laughs> no, me neither. I haven't liked uh, what I've seen either. <laughs> he seems quite a tacky director. Yes. Um... But I did hear some good word about this one. Um, I knew it was about Dominique Strauss-Kahn, but I didn't know the story, and I deliberately didn't look up the story before I I watched the film. I I was exactly the same. Yeah. Depardieu can be really good. Uh, In The Singer, I thought it was really terrific. Marvellous. Last Metro, he's brilliant. Um, Cyrano. Yeah, he is just a fundamentally... uh, charismatic he was the perfect leading man and then when he put on all the weight he became the perfect character actor he's popular, especially in comedy now he's a brilliant comedy actor yeah was he in god was he in um Patiche he was wasn't he um yeah yeah he's the one who's cracking onto Deneuve he's doing on the, disco on the dance, dancing on the dance floor yeah. yes he's so funny <laughs> I actually saw, speaking of which, I actually my uh, eternal adoration of Emmanuel Bayer prompted me <laughs> to watch a film called Disco, which is just terrible. Well, no, it looked just terrible, but the only reason I wanted to watch it was because she was in it. And um, Is I it actually, Disco, or is it D-I-S-C-O? I think it's Disco. I think it's Disco. Okay. And um, it just looked so cheesy, it was untrue. And I... <laughs> I think I, I think I nominated for costume design because of uh, the ridiculous Houston problemage of, uh, of Defargeo in that film. <laughs> He's just wearing like pheasant, pheasant uh, uh, 
feathers coming out of hats and stuff like that, and leopard skin, leopard print stuff. It's just it's awesome. brilliant. We hey. need a good Houston problem. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we haven't had one for a while. Oh. <laughs> um, I knew Jacqueline Bisset was in this, mm-hmm. and um, I've only ever seen her in a film called The Deep. Oh, she was in Bullet as well, I think. I've not seen her. Right. Um, so Peter Yates' film called The Deep from the 70s, I knew she was quite a pin-up. Oh, yeah. Oh, in God, the yeah. 60s and 70s. Oh, God. Um, uh, Miss um, Olsen could have packed her bags and just like, left the country <laughs> um, back, in, for back, for, is it back in the day. She's got the kind of English bitch... The ramblingness. Liz, Liz Hurley thing going on, mm. which is always going to appeal to me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What were your preconceptions? Uh, my preconceptions were director doesn't uh, necessarily feel me with wild joy. <laughs> um, I do, I do love Depardieu, um, and I was expecting, I was expecting a very, very good performance here, and um, uh, I wasn't really sure. I just knew that it was about a scandal, so I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't trepidatious to quote Maggie Gyllenhaal about how, uh, <laughs> about how it was going to be handled. You're okay. laughing already. <laughs> you know where that review's going. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Right. So we'll, film, get, we'll so, have to wait a while. Yeah. So film of the week. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I can't believe we're not doing this last. Film of the week, Guardians of the Galaxy. It was the film of last week. That's why. We're oh, is that why last. we're doing it first? Okay. It's been around a while, so we'll get it out of the way. Can you do the plot? Oh right, you want me to do the plot? What a shock! Okay. <laughs> Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy starts in a completely non-trite and overdone way with um, the potential hero of your superhero movie's parents dying. He's then well, one of them. He's then abducted uh he's then abducted uh by aliens uh, immediately after his mother has uh, shifted off this mortal coil. <laughs> and cut to uh thirty years later he's dancing to the worst eighties mixtape in the history of the universe uh, <laughs> whilst trying to whilst being the intergalactic version of Indiana Jones trying to steal stuff. Is, uh, I like 10 CC. That was good. Yeah, but that's Smooth FM's fourth greatest song of all time. So, <laughs> jog on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he is. Uh, God, how can I shorthand this? Basically, a series of events occur, which means that uh, a, a group of uh, miss uh, <laughs> miss misfits mis- have to protect, stop an orb. And falling into the uh, hands of uh, evil Walter, fake Walter Lee Pace. Yeah. And it's so convoluted, all of that. It's not even worth getting into. The ins and outs of why some that person wants it, why that person wants it, and they're only staying around because he's there. And, and it, but that actually makes no sense because once they're going after that, then why would they even want to be with him? And then, then why is Dave Batista there? I mean, he was a bad enough wrestler. I mean, what are you doing? And why? why it's just. It makes it makes very very little 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 uh, economy of, of matter, which is sad. Well, and I think and it's not. I don't think it's impossible to make this accessible plot wise either. Right. Um, have you seen Serenity? Yes. I think Serenity did this so much better mm. in managing to fully flesh out the political situation um, and the different races that were going on. And Star Wars did it better to an extent, yeah. you know. Um, I just think this, you don't really get a proper sense of what's going on and where everyone is no. and why everyone, what the just, motivations are. When, once they do it, once they 
throw everyone together, it doesn't make sense, given the way the plot unfolds, that they would stay together for the rest of the film. Because at certain points, people become completely expendable. And yet they stick around. And you haven't done the underpinning between them. You haven't done the, uh, the intertwining relationships in order to get them so You can kind of get why Pratt and Saldana... Uh, would or, or why Pratt would stick with Saldana and, and vice versa, but as for the rest of them, I don't think that I don't think that holds too much water. Um, I don't know. I, the characters, I think they're like defi- I don't think they're two D. They try. But, they try a bit. Yeah, they try a bit, but they don't try enough. I I quite like the raccoon character actually. Mm. It's Bradley Cooper. But um, that just plays into the whole tone issue, I think. And uh, it is wildly disjointed in terms of tone because sometimes they go for extraordinarily silly humour and then some, then then, he, then they're trying to go into a more serious back, uh, action type sequence but then you've got like, a zooming close-up on a, a, a raccoon and you think, oh yeah, like he's matching around <laughs> Randy Savage. Like it's Kung Fu Panda or something. Yeah. Um, and you might very well say, well, it's, this isn't supposed to be a serious film, but it's uh, it's stupid in different ways. Uh, it's very across, across try-hard a, across, as well. a lot of levels, yeah. Very try-hard with the humour. Quite forced at times. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, but there are occasions where it really, really does work and hit home. I really like uh, Pratt's uh, attempted seduction of Saldana with the dancing. And, yeah, and, that's uh, cute. And the dance-off at the end. That, that that did have me in hysterics. I did, I did think that was, but I put ninety percent of that down to Chris Pratt on both occasions. So I don't think it's necessarily the writing that, that, is, that is the crux as to how that's um, uh, how that's successful. Well, he does very well, and you can tell that he's not too vain. No, even though the character calls for a little bit of that, mm. you can tell that he isn't that. That he's got um, other things going on, which is good. But I do like. Doesn't it feel like it's tr- it's smoke and mirrors a lot of the time though with yeah. the with the humor and with the music and it's trying to be uh, nostalgic music, yeah, a lot. The music I just don't, I think this is one of the worst. We had one of the best soundtracks ever uh, with Boyhood the other week. I think this is one of the worst soundtracks ever because it doesn't add anything to the film aside from jarring ridiculousness. And because it's not they're not even cool lady songs. Well, I quite like the when you know when the title of the film comes up mm. in the cave I quite like that bit mm. just I think it sets it up nicely but yeah when it keeps going on and it'll just inject you know just this random A song and it's all like they'll all blend into these compilations from the 80s that you, you never know what the song's called you just heard it once before in a mm. place you never want to visit again stop but... <laughs> insert Random place here. Oh. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm getting closer. <laughs> Driving people away. <laughs> no, I thought you meant. I thought that I was getting further north towards uh, a certain. Um, oh right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> certain area. Cer- certain place in the northeast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the positives. Should we get into some positives? Um, I think it's like I. I do like that it doesn't take itself seriously it is gloomy it is happy it, there is a lot of camaraderie it is easy to watch it is easy to watch uh the uh I, oh yes positive i just thought we were negative <laughs> it's, all, it's all right no I, I think i think pratt's a big positive i think 
it's uh, I think it is likable enough in spite of itself, and I don't really know why. But it's 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 a bit of a strange one, and uh, I do kind of. I mean, the special effects are very good. Let's get let's get that out of the way. Yeah. I mean, they are. <laughs> there is no way of getting around it. I think um, it's strange though that it looks as if it was made sort of like ten years ago. Mm. Do you remember like Sky High? Yes. Did you see stuff like that? It, mm. it reminded me. It was very kiddie, mm. which is was welcome that it wasn't too gloomy and adult and um, and I just it, to me it's sort of on the same level as Star Trek uh, Into Darkness mm. because I felt like the plot there was a bit. Well, with the, with this, I mean, I, I I haven't looked, but I'm gonna bet that a minimum of three people wrote this, got active writing credits on it. A minimum, yeah. A minimum of three, because yeah. you just have these things where like like the and uh, improvised stuff. With, with, ben, with Benicio del Toro's assistant, that is just thrown in at, out of like like one like half scene before, and it's just why does that have to mm. be? It's like it's well, you've characters got... as characters as plot points basically. Well, you've got like it's. Um, actually, it was written by two people. Right. Um, but it's like you've got like random when the cast list comes up at the beginning. You've got Benicio del Toro, Glenn Close, yeah. um, Bradley Cooper, Vin Diesel. <clears throat> but what? Vin Diesel. <laughs> and none of them are actually. I mean, Glenn Close. I don't know what. Why is she in this? What's she doing in this film? Making up for Albert Knobs. <laughs> financially at the very least well yeah financially yeah mm. <laughs> probably lost money on Albert Nobbs mm. um, and Benicio as well he's in it for about a minute seconds. would you say Four seconds mm. um, I, I, I kind of I kind of dislike that um, this is the negative I thought of earlier that the last 10-15 minutes are just so clearly, clearly, clearly setting up sequels. And it's like... And the last line. Well, no, well, you know, yeah, well, yeah, fine, whatever. I mean, you, but it's like, you know there's got to be a sequel because they keep, they just bring in about three different, like, teasers about what what's going to be in the next film. Yeah. Well, so, there would be a sequel anyway, you just know it's like, there was a sequel to Fantastic Four, there was going to be a sequel to this. Yeah. And it's fine. Well, you know what? Fine. I don't begrudge this particularly sequel. Yeah. Oh, I like more to... than other films. Yeah. yeah. Like Michael Rooker. I suppose they couldn't afford Woody Harrelson, but. Uh... Who was he? Uh, he was uh, the uh, bloke who uh, took. Uh, uh, bloke who took Pratt when he was a boy. In the blue. With the sort of oh, yeah. Thing. I quite liked um, Dave Batista, actually. You know what? He wasn't bad. He wasn't yeah. bad. He, he, he was quite. He... And that character, they tried with that character as well, which is mm. which is good. I quite like the prison sequence, all mm. the stuff in the prison. It's I mean it's it's just bad writing when um, he has to, he gets to fight pace. It's just a ridiculous why um, that just doesn't doesn't hold up. Um, but um, I suppose he's well, he's, with with clever editing, you can have him more convincingly selling than he does in the ring. Ouch. <laughs> um, Chris Chris Pratt just quietly being 
sort of adorable. It's, it's the... Going to get to this later, but... Yeah. Oh, no, I know he's going to be seriously. a yes. There's no question he wasn't going to be a yes. The thing is, I knew before I even saw him uh, walking without his shirt on and being ripped to hell, I knew he was going to be a yes view in this film. Yeah. And, and he's been posting topless pictures on Twitter a lot because he's been purposefully working out for this film. This is the thing. On Parks and Recreation, he's huge. Yeah, well, so he is basically the cinematic Ricky Hatton. Well, oh God, just don't. Go no, no, well, oh, I'm not going to suggest that he's a coke addict, but <laughs> <laughs> but he. Well, I mean, what do you what do you make of the fact that he's just suddenly turned from this sort of the sidekick <laughs> in the comedy, the comedy sidekick to this buff, you know, leading man. Um, leading man. I think it's because he's going to be huge now, right? I think it's because. He's not, even though he can get himself into that sort of shape, he is not the stereotypical jock. And uh, he, because he is the sort of guy, sort of looking guy, who would uh, not necessarily be the prettiest boy in the room, but he'll go, he'll, but he'll, uh, the comedy guy. He'll have, he has the comedy and he has the confidence that, um, uh, that's, that's what's attractive. And so, I mean, he still is, he still is kind of doing the, um, the sidekick. Role uh, like Delivery Man. I thought it was brilliant in Delivery Man. I thought he's um, absolutely the delivery of some of his stuff was absolutely pitch perfect. But um, you can you can still see even in um, even in um, Parks and Recreation where physically he's very big that he, he's an attractive guy. Yeah, indeed. Okay, I'm gonna give Guardians of the Galaxy a C plus. Right, I am having done the review. It's decided it for me. It's it's. Four out of ten. Four. Yeah, four. It was okay. borderline. I was borderline going to give it three stars because it is very watchable. But I don't know. There's too much that just sticks in my core about it, and there's not. And the funny. The, I, I think I'm really just ha- ha- hinging all this on liking Chris Pratt and having two very funny scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one star for each of those. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, Lil Tang. Very different <laughs> from a two hundred million budget or something to about two million. Little mm-hmm. um, team directed by Hong Kao, and it stars Ben Whishaw. It's a guy called Richard. He's a gay man. Uh, recently lost his boyfriend to a road accident. Mm-hmm. His boyfriend was part Chinese Cambodian, um, and his non-speaking Cambodian mother um, is living in England, in an old people's home, and she didn't know that he was gay. Wishaw takes upon himself now that the guy's died to establish a bond with the woman, brings in a translator to help her communicate with her boyfriend at the old people's home, Mm. and things develop from there. Oh, oh, sorry, I see what you mean. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, Yeah. she's got this boyfriend, um, but they can't speak to each other. They just, like, cuddle and kiss and... So he helps them. Right. Um, and it's just, it's a really lovely film. It looks sweet. It's very, very lovely. I think you'd like it, actually. Um, I It was it got me into tears on more than one occasion. It's only 80 minutes. Mm. It goes by very quickly. Mm. Um, I like this review. <laughs> <laughs> Probably will. It sounds like you're wrapping up. That's why I said that. <laughs> No, this is when they wrap up. It is beautiful. Mm. Um, 
It, you remember the Simple Life? Yes. It kind of reminded me of that. Um, because just how modest it was and um, how it's small film and it's very much about how isolated the elderly can feel. Yes. And this just, it's got more, to, well, it's got more to offer because it's about how people's sexuality and age in, in general can isolate them in different ways. So mm. it's like sort of like she hasn't adapted to English culture, hasn't wanted to adapt to English culture. Yeah. But her son really wanted her to and was frustrated about that. But Ben Wishaw isn't too bothered about that. He mm. just wants to make her comfortable. Um, and it's just kind of sad, the fact that they couldn't talk to each other about what they were really feeling. When they were around, yeah. Yeah. And that's what was really sad about it. And it expressed that sentiment really well um, about the isolation. So and it just it just felt really honest, mm. you know. And Wishaw, he's uh, he's really good in this. Yeah. He's got <laughs> believe. No, I, I didn't mean like that. <laughs> it's 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 the sort of thing I can see him actually playing to his strengths as an actor. Yeah, well, he's just come out, um, mm. which might help, you know, mm. help him to get into that character. Um. And he's got this perfect balance between being devastated, being angry, but also being dutiful to this woman mm. and considerate. And he's trying to juggle all of those feelings when he, all he probably wants to do is bury himself in a cave and forget about everything. Yeah. Um, and it's, but then it's that, but having to look after her will be the sort of thing that sort of like stops him from doing that, which is the point, I guess. Yeah. So it's like the, it's like the film is therapy mm. for both of them in a way, um, but at the same time it's not, it's not clean cuts and it's not a closed ending and everything's not gift wrapped and everything's not wonderful. Mm. It's just all very very real. A breakthrough is made, but it's it's sort of like the start of yeah. trying to rebuild both the lives. Mm. I think. Mm. And the woman who plays the mother is Pai Pai Cheng, mm. who played Jade Fox in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I know exactly what I can picture her now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird because that's a while ago now, and she looks 2000. a lot older now. 2000. Yeah. Because mm. she was an absolute bitch in that <laughs> she, I remember thinking, oh my god, I hate that woman. <laughs> <laughs> Firing her poison darts around and cackling. Yeah, well... Uh... Don't get them anywhere near Zhangzi, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, thankfully she didn't. From what I remember, did she? Uh, I think uh, Mr. Fat uh, got in the way. That's the one, yeah. Um, but she's she's great. Um, Naomi Christie, who plays the translator, has quite a big role, like the third build role, and it's her debut, and she's really good. I was going to say, I don't know the name. Yeah. No, she's from. I think she's from Leeds. I was going to say, did I play in an orchestra with her? <laughs> well, she was from Leeds. She might have gone to uni with her, for all we know. Oh God! <laughs> Imagine. I'm going to start giving um, anecdotes about um, going to Heaven and Hell rather than in Leeds. <laughs> rather, Heaven and Hell. That was one of the clubs. Yeah, we had three three stories. Uh, hell down the bottom played uh, dance. Purgatory played sort of like R and B, and then Hell uh, Heaven was cheese. To go there okay. for Wednesday nights. It was a th- um, hand, hand pint. 
Nice. Or as I, or as, or as I partook, it was pound per bottle of Iron Brew Wicked. Were <laughs> you always in the cheese? Um, I, 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 I fluttered. I, I would flutter. I was a flutterer. You gotta remember the R and B. This is like um, yeah. uh, early two thousand, so it's more like Artful Dodger, uh, Craig David sort of thing. So it wasn't too bad. Okay, I quite like R and B now, so I'd probably be in the R and B room. Yeah. You went to the cheese at the end, but then this is what well, this is my problem. I just wouldn't stay on the dance floor when the S Club Seven or uh, the Breeze Mega Mix came on. <laughs> I'd just walk off and then right. Yeah, I'll go back on in a minute when this is over. But I'm not staying. I'm not S-Club, dancing. Oh my <laughs> god! Do you remember Reach? That was what they used to play it all the time. Who used to do the actions? Do you remember? <laughs> there was a bar in Leeds. Um, I can't remember the name. Uh, but they used to end every night with the 18. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Digression, sorry. <laughs> Digression, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, Lilting, it, it's like... it's. I didn't like a single man, mm-hmm. which dealt with the same issue. Yes. Because I thought it was superficial and Tom Ford with his men leaning on street corners. With his models. With his, you know, all you need to do is... Wear a great suit. (laughs) Have a flashback in black and white. (laughs) I just do a digression here. Apparently he had to tell Colin Firth off for a scene where Julianne was trying to kiss him because he was getting too into it. It's like... Colin, stop it! You're supposed to get your hands off her ass. You're supposed to be a gay man. That's fair enough. <laughs> that is fair enough. That is fair. Enough. <laughs> but on on both counts. Yes. Oh no! no I, I was talking about Colin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this has depth. It's got. I I prefer the tentativeness of this to the all-out grief-stricken. Yeah. You know, mm. postcardness of the single man, mm. um, and Wishaw isn't presented with any romantic options. He's not got Nicholas Holt taking his shirt off. He's not got. Not got that guy at the diner. Oh, is it the, is it the petrol station? Oh my god! The model at I'm the petrol saying. station. It's like a Gap commercial. It is. <laughs> this is not. Now, don't See, get me wrong. I thought that the guy playing the, um, uh, the guy who meets the petrol station was actually quite good. Well, he would have—he would have gone in the factor, definitely. On not on the range, even. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but I, uh, I just that, that t- the, really the bugged me about that film. It just didn't well. feel real. Yeah, it, it's it's nicely played, but it doesn't feel realistic. Yeah, and that comes from the fact he's he's not directed a film before Tom Ford. That's what I thought, mm. and hopefully he'll direct something else again. But yeah. it's been a while now. It has. Um, but yeah, this. Um, oh. what, sorry. Oh nine. Nine. Oh yeah, two thousand nine. Yeah. yeah. Infamously, because this is the film we could have seen. God don't. I've been telling that story quite a bit recently. <laughs> you hadn't missed the plane. Um, but yeah, well, little team just a very well pitched coming. It's not missing the plane. It's missing. It's missing the plane. And then not, and then spending the birthday waiting, waiting till nine o'clock in the next evening on your birthday <laughs> to get a part, and knowing that if you'd actually planned it, Bro. then you would have got, then you would have got tickets to the red carpet to see a single man. True. 
B plus for lilting. <laughs> right, Under the Rainbow is a French film. Uh, first of uh, many to come. And for the rest of it, we're going to be exclusive to French for the rest of the podcast. Technically. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and it is, it is presented in the form of a modern fairy tale. Uh, where you have oh, okay. where, you, where you have a girl who has been uh, who's dreamt uh, that she's uh, seen a guy in black with an angel behind him pointing to him, and that this is she's never had the love of a love, love of her life, and uh, she's complained she's complaining about this to her aunt who's, who's played by Angela Shawn who's the writer director, and uh, you, you see it from her point of view before uh, she meets the guy, and from the guy's point of view before she meets the guy they meet. Uh, Prince's ball, obviously. He's a um, uh, he's a uh, young composer at the conserv- conservatoire. But uh, uh, his cellist um, friend uh, has a big crush on him, and uh, but he's oblivious to it. And uh, they they meet at the ball, obviously. And as he, when he turns up at the ball, he stood there with a with an angel behind with a statue of an angel behind him, pointing at him, just like her dream. And so she's like, Oh my god! He's the one. Yeah. And, How uh, old is this? How old is this woman? Is she? Oh, it's she's like I suppose I think they're supposed to be like eighteen, nineteen, twenty-ish, so okay. like studentish, studentish sort of uh, time. And so they meet. Uh, he's got to, he's got to leave at midnight to pick up his mom. Oh God! <laughs> and he does lose a shoe on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then it's it's the thing you see like um uh it's cutting between uh, his family. His dad is played by John Pitt Who's um, uh, Jerry's husband who co-wrote the film? He's a. Uh, uh, what's he do? He, he teaches uh, driving. He's a driving instructor. Uh, so, so they're they're working classes. His his father's just died. Uh, so the lad's grandfather and the lad wants an inheritance. And on the other side, her parents are extremely well off, and uh, they may be polluting the local uh, area. So go along. Okay. So how, how does it is it too um, overt with the fairy tales or does it manage them well the, the fairy tale aspect? I think it's fine to begin with, but it grows more tiresome the longer it goes because they don't really go any, go anywhere with it. It's just more like a quirky conceit. It's just to structure things around. So when they're coming into a new a new setting or a new scene, it will be glazed over like it's been hand drawn in the book. In like a fairy tale book, or, or if it's like it's really like when you click one of the, you're playing around with something in, in uh, Word, sure, mm. and you can choose choose different things that make it look like an, uh, a piece of art. Like that's been added to it, and then it goes away, and then it cuts into the into the uh, scene. So it's fu- it's effective enough as a uh, stylistic choice. It's more of a story. It's more of a um, storytelling, uh, literal storytelling technique rather than uh, the best way of selling. It's a presentation technique, I think, rather than the storytelling one. Um, but the, um, the the cast are all fine. Uh, the, the the girls are okay. The lads um, quite good. Um, but the uh, the the heart of the film, or the best, or most interesting part of the film, is that um, uh, Bakri, uh, so the lad's dad, starts giving uh, the girls' aunt um, driving lessons, and she, uh, she, she uh, and uh, and it it doesn't go mist- no 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 not no not really. Um, because uh, so, he's got he, she's got Enraha. 
No, no. It's because she's she's uh, just recently separated from her husband, and um, uh, but they're sort of like he he's still around he's still around the scene. Bakri has mo- has uh, left his uh, ex-wife and moved in with uh, a woman and her kids, and of course the kids are annoying him, and so he's just there to scowl beautifully and uh, just look like this, look pissed off. Um, so it's it's just more that you just get these two people coming together and just find and finding uh, an ease and a, a refuge uh, uh, when when they when they spend their time together, and uh, it's uh, she'll invite him in for coffee, but it's never with any sort of like um, pretext or anything. Nice. Um, so the, those 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 scenes because when they deliver Bucky's a hilarious actor. So when they deliver the lines, it, it's it's funny. Uh, it's 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 most successful there. But I don't really think it's comedy. It's it's advertised as a comedy, and some things are obviously done. And sometimes, like when you see the lap with the thing pointing with the angel pointing at me, it is amusing. But yeah. I think it, the general tone of it is pretty. Um, General, t- the general tone of the drama is, is, is dramatic. But so, what do you think? That's just a marketing decision. Yes. Yeah, and it is. It, it's, some of the presentation is cute, but the actual tone of what's going on is dramatic. Uh, the problems come with where they go plot-wise, uh, quite frankly, with, for the main plot, because uh, they throw a span into the works when um, she, the, the girl's wondering whether she's actually the right guy. Um, because there's another guy who turns up mysteriously dressed in black, who's a um, who coincidentally happens to be a uh, uh, heavily influential music critic, who who uh, is going to um, help get her boyfriend's career off the ground. Blah 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 blah. Very trite stuff. Then ensues, and uh, they they do not earn the end at all. Where they try and they wrap it up in about five, wrap it up way too quick, uh, and it's just uh, it seems. Like this was about three drafts short uh, that they needed to whittle it down uh, to its more interesting parts, and um, if they just once they decided where they wanted to go, they need to find a better way to get there. It sounds like it could be a musical. Yeah, very much so. Probably work better as a musical, actually. Just the way you said that they wrap it all up at the end—that's pretty much what happens in the musicals. Yeah, well, it, it's so you're thinking surely they're not going to go there with this. Surely they're not going to go there, and they do. And you think, really? I mean, it's very under the end is very underwhelming. Okay, great. It's a five out of ten. It's uh, it's got its moments, but um, few and far between. Okay. Okay, so next we have Mood Indigo, again following the French fairy tale theme. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is about two people called Colin and Chloe, uh, Colan even, mm. which is Romandery, Chloe, which is Audrey Tattoo, and um, they meet at a party, they fall in love, they Obviously. get married. Oh, yeah, okay. they get married. Uh, Chloe becomes ill during their honeymoon, and it turns out that she has a water lily growing in her lung. Her condition. It's not great, but will there be a twist in the tale? So it's the it's... milk of sorrow too. <laughs> <laughs> there are no potatoes to be seen. You know what? I I, I really like the milk of sorrow. Let's put that one out there. It's about these next film. <laughs> I've not seen it. Oh, she's gr- uh, she's great, and it's really really great, really well directed. I believe you. Hasn't one. 
And, okay, I've got to disclose something. I walked out of this... Oh, my God. ...halfway through. Did you watch the rest of the half of this podcast? No. <laughs> and I'll tell you why, okay? okay. I, you know, I think... Was it, because, was it like me? It was, there was just too many lesbian sex scenes? It was just vagina, vagina. What can I tell you? No, it was... That's the, I, that's the podcast title, Vagina, <laughs> Vagina. You can't title the podcast Vagina. It's shocking. No, that's the that's the title. You can't title the podcast Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that one is. Um, <laughs> no for JJ. Um, Standard Friday. <laughs> <laughs> No, I did. I walked out. I. Oof. Okay. Arini, Too quirky. Arini's going to hear me. I'm sorry. No news. I apologise about this. But what I'll say is, it's very much a love it, hate it thing. Right. Because the film has a lot of tricks. Do you remember Fresh Guacamole? Yes. That short that we watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it was playing with all the shapes and different things like that. Mm. It's like this is the same. It's like somebody will. Um, I mean, this the, the the short that you gave ten out of ten to, and this is the same. I didn't give it ten out of ten. But you said it was the best of the lot. Yeah, but it was a it was an all right bunch. Okay. But what I'm saying is that was uh, ninety seconds. You right. can't sustain that over one hundred and thirty minutes or whatever this was. Um, you couldn't sustain it over seventy because that's where I walked out. But it's it's like it's. It got, has a lot of tricks, a lot of stop motion tricks that go on. Right. Sort of like random things, like there's a mouse um, running around the place, and it's like. Um, I heard it's completely off the planet. Oh, yeah. And it's like um, if you want to put your shoes on, you've got to chase your shoes. It's, it's sort of weird things like that, which is okay um, if you're going to have a story. If you're gonna have, if you're gonna work on character, yeah. which it doesn't work on character, okay. It's, um, so it's too cute. It's way, way, way too cutesy. It's way too overstuffed visually. It's got a lot of Jan Svankmeyer influences there, mm. um, but it's just I, I didn't get on board with it. It's like they suddenly fall in love for no reason, and then there's. Have you seen him? They expect you to care. No, no, no. You, you've seen her. <laughs> and they expect you to care about this when things go sour. They expect you to care. And it's like, mm, well, that's when I walked out. I was like, well, I, I'm not on board with this film. Don't get the relentless tweeness was too much. Exactly. Do you remember the fairy? Yes. Yeah. I, I was, was like that. Okay. Well, it was... It, wasn't like that. It was just the same feeling. I was yeah. watching it. I was thinking. Maybe you didn't like it. You're <laughs> trying too hard, and I don't like it. You know, mm. why don't you just tone it back a bit? Mm. Okay, you can make it eccentric, but this is just completely berserk. Right. Um, is that a few shades on from Under the Rainbow? I imagine, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make some. Oh, no, no, no. I just see what I did there, yeah. Ask the magenta. Well, it is mood indigo. Oh, nicely done. This <laughs> <laughs> is if we plan this stuff. It really is. Veer into violet. I think it veered into everything. Um, there are a couple of great sequences when they come away from the wedding. It's like the 
the swimming underwater and there's some really nice music there and it's just a lovely individual sequence mm-hmm. but it's like everything else in the film I didn't really get the emotion behind it properly right. so I was left wondering what it was for right. um, and I don't want to bitch too much about it because Irini is going to kill me <laughs> it doesn't matter, it's not news but this is um, provisionally grade because you haven't watched all of it I haven't watched all of it provisional grade is a C- minus. and we walk out I walked and, out one film ever. And you give a walk out C minus. No, I walked out of Grand Budapest Hotel after ten minutes. Really? It's sort of like it's not like a walk out like I stomped out and just like you know, punched someone on the way out. It's which is what I do. <laughs> which is what you did. Yeah. No, um, well, no, I punched doors. Couscous. I always broke my hand after couscous. I punched the door open. I kicked <laughs> the door open after white ribbon. I was just so frustrated. Again, that was the worst review I ever did in my podcast. It's like eight paragraphs listing my intellectual problems with the film rather than reviewing it. <laughs> so this wasn't this wasn't the situation where I hated it. Yeah. Like it wasn't like that. It was more I'm not I don't care enough to watch the rest of it mm. and I'd rather go and meet some people yeah. I wanted to meet. Uh, no, it's fine. So and it was like Grand Budapest, I walked into it 10 minutes, I thought I'm not in the mood for this, I'm going. But then I later watched it on DVD, because it was like, well, yeah. And I thought it was quite good. Oh, right, okay. So it's it's just, it's not necessarily that, but I I would be surprised if I ever watched this film again. So, yeah. If you didn't when you had a podcast, you'd, you'd probably not going to. Except, well, probably, yeah. I'd have to be forced, I'd have to be strapped to my... Uh, Clockwork Orange style. That's what we're, that's what Irene's planning at this exact moment. Probably, she's probably never going to come on the podcast again. No, no, she is. But when she's when she's while she's on the podcast, she'll have hired the goons to go around and get you to watch Mood Indigo so she can hear your your reaction while me and her review the films. <laughs> we just talk about the the love scene in reconstruction for twenty minutes. Probably, I wouldn't put it past you. It's been happened before. Okay, film of the week. We've done that. Oh, film of this week. Yeah, okay. Welcome to New York. Take it, this is me. Yeah. 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 Welcome to New York. It uh, begins with a series of uh, explanations and um, uh, yeah. dis- disclaimers. They yeah. say that it's based on a true story of which the court records are have been extremely well documented, and so this is a fictionalised uh, version of the, what was happening in in the real people's in people's personal lives um, uh, on the uh, edge of a scandal, which, as portrayed in this film, shows um, a, a French bigwig um, who uh, you, very late on in the Big film bigwig. Uh, who very late on the film, they assume that you know who he is, basically. Uh, uh, you find out very late on in the film that he is uh, uh, the favourite to the next president of France. He turns up at a hotel in New York, and uh, before he can even be shown where the coffee machine is, uh, the whores were already there. <laughs> and then after propositioning the uh, uh, woman who works there, uh, uh, he uh, uh, then has a, a debauch night with his buddies, and then um, about two hours later more hookers turn up and then uh, in the morning the maid walks in to do housekeeping and this is where the uh, scandal begins 
because he's just coming out of the shower while she's in there, and the film uh, then shows him saying, don't you know who I am, and goes to grab her. It then cuts to uh, her crying, and then you see her flashback of what happened in the police report, and then it becomes a procedural uh, about his confinement um, uh, awaiting trial and uh, details as well. The reaction to the trial verdict. Uh, uh, it details the relationship with his wife while this going down. Who's Jacqueline Bissett? Alright. I skip, what? Can I just say straight off, I skipped through the sex scenes. Like, okay, I, I, well, I lasted about 45 seconds into all of them. I thought, okay, like, yeah, I know exactly what you're doing here. Well, there Thank aren't many. No, well, there's about Near the beginning. Yeah, I just thought, I, okay, I don't need to see this. If I want to, if right. I, if, I want to well, watch, if I want to watch a gangbang, there are certain sites on the internet that can furnish me with that. <laughs> I want to start with the beginning, with the message at the beginning. Yeah. Because it tells you, it, it tells you at the beginning what happens, what the outcome of the trial is. And then it says, what happens in the hotel room remains a mystery. But, but, but they don't I want present to ask it as a mystery. But to, that's what I'm saying. Does the film have any agenda whatsoever to preserve the mystery or be even-handed? No, no. I think they, they make it very clear what make it very clear what's happened. And the what, trouble what is exactly what's happened. Well, no, they make it not. very clear. They make it very clear what what's happened. So they make it clear that something's happened. Yeah. Well, no, for his third flashback and what he what he says later on are, are pretty much exactly the same. The, the problem is that that doesn't explain. Anything to do. The interesting thing would be, well, if that's all the case, and you're saying that's true and that's true, then ha- how on earth, as as you say right at the beginning, has the witness become discredited? That would be the only interesting dramatic thing in this film. Has the what? How has the witness been discredited? That is the interesting thing. How we, uh, uh, the the lead. Which uh, yeah? Did you look it up? No, I don't know. I, I didn't, and I don't care to it's because in, it's just it's, not interesting. It's inconsistencies. Um, with the statement which she said that was down to the mistranslating. So, not much. Uh, and this is the. We're back to Raging Bull here, because Raging Bull. Well, what can, do you mean back to Raging Bull? No, because I used this example uh, a few times. Uh, uh, Wendy, I. I think it was she was reviewing Sherry, and. Uh, oh, poor uh, woman. It's a, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great line, she, uh, and she said, the problem, uh, she was talking about. Um, uh, the uh, uh, friend in Sherry, or is it the other one? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, she said, the problem comes when the writing uh, fails to elevate uh, a dislikable character into an interesting one. And that is uh, that is exactly the Raging Bull situation. They elevate a dislikable character into a fascinating one. And this just has a dislikable character who has no... And, and if you have something like Capote, you can have a moral, you can have a moral bankrupt. You've got to put that moral bankrupt in uh, in a situation that he's going to expose that and uh, be the cause of it, uh, and and be the, the destruction of his soul. You don't get that at all in this film, and you, I just I just not in, you, you you get the moral bankruptcy, but the, you just get someone who's just uh, a completely two D person who has uh, who has no remorse whatsoever and uh, doesn't know anything. And that's not. I don't think it's a two D person. I think I think he's a bankrupt. Mm. I don't know. It's sort of like with the whole beginning of it, you get with the prostitute, you get this really toxic vibe about the lifestyle he's living. But it's like he's like, <laughs> like he's yeah, like, yeah. It's like, and it's also the fact that he is quite big. Yeah. I'm not being personal here, no, no, no. but he's very big, and I think Ferrara's definitely exploiting that mm. 
to stress the lack of grace, for lack of a better word, like in his in the way he behaves and he's very animalistic. Animalist, yeah, animalistic. And uh, I think Depardieu is quite game to go there in the first place and to be this person. Pardon the pun, it's a meaty role. Yeah, yeah, true. But you know, nothing's left her no. on the side. No, it's zero certainty. Yeah. Whatsoever. Um, yeah, zero dignity as no. well. No. Um, um, and I'm... I just feel like I feel like it's t- it's more about the corruption that has been put on them. Like as Jacqueline Bisset is in this, Jacqueline Bisset is not a nice person either. So you get this, like, you get the fact that she's more upset with him because he's ruined her their reputation yeah. Yeah. and her plans. Mm. You know, it's not it's not really moral, even though she tries to morally manipulate him. She doesn't really feel that moral about it. Yeah. And I just got that this was all to do with the power that they've become deluded. That's what I got from the film, which mm. is why I kind of like it. Mm. But, I do think there are a few, a few moments of insights. Uh, I think... I think what the film, I think the film is at its least interesting. Okay, well, okay, it's at its very least interesting to me during the sex scenes. I think the rest outside of that, I think it's at its least interesting when it's just doing the procedural of his confinement, where you're just like seeing him having his finger, a finger bits taken, or having him like being shown to a room. Strip search. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, I just, that has just zero interest to me. When you get to like the scene where they finally turn up at the house and um, they they start having an argument, I'm thinking, oh. I actually said out loud, "Is this it?" Did you think it? Did you feel it was improvised? No, I thought it was improvised. No. I don't know why. Just um, got that impression. I just, I just thought, okay, I can see what you're trying to do here now. So, so the bulk of the film is that it's the relationship between him and her, and they're sort of like arguing about the situation they found themselves in. That's what that's what you're interested in, and I just kind of think that's the point. I don't think that's the whole point. But I think. it's I think it's supposed to be the most interesting thing for you in there. But if you don't give a damn about anybody and you don't find the situation that interesting, I mean, I personally don't really find this an interesting story or, or interesting character at all. Um, no. So there's nothing. So if that's what you're hanging your hat on, like, oh, look at this situation, look at this situation. Well, okay, fine. You've got a horny, well, got a horny the, French guy. What a shock. Well, what is the yeah? But what is the alternative? Mm. Is the trial would the trial be more interesting? Yes, but I suppose that the their point of view would be that the trial's been well documented and everything's been shown on TV, so everyone knows everything about it anyway. Yeah, that, too, that's the other side. That's the other problem with it. That plus, they, they, they wouldn't be able to disguise that in yeah. any way. As but, yeah, and they presume they presume a fascination with it. It's like you, you of course you're interested in this. Well, no, no, actually I'm not. I don't know anything about it. So make me interested, and they don't. Just assume you are. So I do think there are a few moments of insight into um, uh, the relationships. Um, I remember I could actually only remember the one which was less uh, of an insight. <laughs> there was one which was more that comes from Bissett that I can't remember off the top of my head. The first one was where Jet Depardieu says nobody wants to be saved, and uh, I sort of thought, well, given if, if you sort of like broaden that out and do a bit of work on that, and you think, okay, fine, I can see where he's coming from with that in general. Uh, but it's way too little, way too skating over, and it doesn't. Um... The stuff like him bringing up Bisset's family's past, mm. which that was quite interesting. That you got, you got to remember what a massive uh, taboo that is in France. I mean, you, yeah. you, you, uh, the, 
anything about so collaboration. Anything the Nazis, yeah. Anything with collaboration is is big, big, big taboo. I mean, Louis Marl said that after he did La Combe Lucy and he didn't get a good review in France for much of his career. Mm. Or for 20 years or whatever. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. This, I think this say is better than him, actually. Yes. Um... I did feel that their first scene together was improvised because I just thought, who would write this? And it felt, and some of it did feel self-conscious from an acting perspective. But I de- then I did think that that made it more effective and feel a bit more natural in a certain way that she didn't really know how to communicate with him because she probably doesn't communicate with him that often because he's off screwing the left, right and centre and at conferences, you know. Being everywhere. Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet. Exactly. <laughs> without the gas mask that was all that's missing <laughs> and I think they're both very bad at articulating their emotions which I can believe that they're both not emotionally intelligent because of how they've been corrupted by the system yeah. so that was, I don't know, I think that I did find I think you're right, I think the most interesting thing is when they're you talking know. about, when they're arguing and when they're talking about the life and not the prison stuff, mm-hmm. the prison stuff is very like Hungerish. Mm. It's just you know it is just slog. Mm. I think that's what he just he just wants to stress the disgrace of it all. I think it was more the I, I think I I thought I think the reasoning behind it was to show the humiliation uh, for him. Yeah, yeah. Because you got yeah. this guy who's who's immensely powerful, blah 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 blah, and then suddenly uh, he's put in a situation where he's not. He's, I'm going to move your fingers for you, and. But my, my, my thing with that is I don't think Epardieu does enough with it. Because uh, I could, I could, there were certain scenes where I was, I was imagining somebody else doing it and thinking they could really show, show the humili- actively show the humiliation. And I suppose you could say that the um, character might try and mask it. I think... Uh, I think it, when, he's in the, when he's in the cell with the other guys, it's quite good. Like it. That was quite convincing that he was quite nervous being in that situation. Mm. He's walking around a lot. Yeah. But he did, yeah, he didn't really get much of that from when he was with the prison officers. Mm. What, do you think they should have shown any of the trial? Or... Well, he's there. I, I know exactly what uh, the... I know exactly what the quote-unquote quote, argument quote would be so you don't have to because uh, because uh, you're not doing a bio- you're not doing a biopic you know, about the whole story you're you're doing the behind the scenes because this is so well known it's like if you're doing uh about O J Simpson uh, uh bit, yeah you you're doing about you do you do a film about behind the trial because everybody knows the trial but I suppose that's the only way I can rationale it but the problem is if you don't then um. There are lots of uh, subtexts and um, nuances that uh, are assumed, and the trouble is, they are. It, this isn't like something like uh, Oliver Stone's Nixon, where now if you don't know anything about Nixon and you watch Nixon for the first time, it is completely confusing because uh, you have them. Uh, he juts around all over the place. And he starts right in the middle of the mess, and so they're, talk- if they're talking about um, Pentagon Papers, and you don't know what the Pentagon Papers are. That means nothing to you at the beginning, but then. The thing is, you can know nothing about it. Watch Nixon, and then watch it again, and you because everything. That's finally, like Lincoln as yeah, well, though, right? Because everything finally comes into place uh, over the course of the entire film. The second time you watch it, around, 
when you go back to the beginning and watch it and they talk about Pentagon Papers, you think, oh, fine, I know what that is. But yeah. with this, you can watch all this and then watch it again and you still won't know any of the nuance or, 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 or the things that you missed because you've got to have the frame of reference in order for this to really work, I think. Probably. What, you think you've got to be French? Or Not necessarily French, be just... involved in that just have, You just story. have to know what, what happened. Yeah. In order to get the, it does know. make me interested, though, to find out more about it. Mm. Well, I'm not. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah. One of those. Do you think it feels a bit a bit TV-ish? Um, like, I don't think it feels TV-ish. I just think it feels um, disjointed tonally. It's like three different films. You've got a porn film, war film, and then a stage play. A porn? What was the middle one? Or film. <laughs> so, like Hunger, yes. Um, wasn't that the Canyons? <laughs> the Canyons had all three of those as well. <laughs> Dear Lord, yeah, but uh, I, I was dying for Lindsay Lohan in this one. <laughs> I'm giving it a B. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to give this 4 out of 10 because while I think it's very, very flawed, I do think uh, uh, the acting is good. Well, I don't really think it's good, but I do think acting is good, and it has it does show some insight. So I'm not, I'm not completely trashing it. Okay. Do we have an add-on, or do we have to, any similar situations where? Well, the immediate one that came to me, and I can't believe I suggested this add-on. I've only really, really thought about one is when you have the disclaimer uh, at the beginning of Z. There is a disclaimer which says any co- any uh, similarity to a person's living or dead is entirely deliberate. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow, that's ballsy. <laughs> it's like it's entirely intentional. I think or something like that. Because the Gav wrestling yeah, and, SmackDown. And this is the thing, I knew nothing about that situation. But then, you know, because it's just so brilliantly uh, brilliantly directed, it shifts on. You you, you, you do become absolutely enthralled. Um, I think Citizen Kane is very thinly veiled. Yeah. It's what we're talking it, it about. Is, yeah, built, yeah. Um, obviously real stories. Obviously real stories about William Randolph Hearst, even yeah. though it doesn't mention him. Mm. It's pretty obvious because yeah. he was the big, the big man at the time. Mm. Um, anything else? Top my, I think is I suggested while I was watching the film, so I'm, yeah. I haven't really thought about it. But um, maybe I'll shout something out while we're wrapping up. Okay. Alright, so Shag Marry Kill. Right, um, I watched three films, didn't I? I would Shag. Oh my god. I would Shag uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, yeah. It's very watchable. I would marry uh, Under the Rainbow because uh, the Bakri and um, Jowy scenes um, I could watch for every week for the rest of my life. And I would kill Robins in New York. Okay. Much I would marry Lilting. Mm. I would shag Welcome to New York. Mm. And I would kill Guardians <gasps> of the Galaxy because it's less individual. How dare you kill this person? Necrophiliac you. Google image. Google image. Necrophiliac. He lives, he lives on. He lives on. The Watson Factor. The Olsen Factor. So. Olsen, ah, Olsen Factor. Okay, Saldana is a Sadu. 
as of, in, of, as is anybody in Saldana that situation. It's not yeah. a Saldana situation, actually. <laughs> uh, Saldana is a Saidu, uh, as it, as would anybody in that film be, because nobody's actually skin that is real. Um, Under the Rainbow, uh, they make out like the main girl is supposed to be super amazing. Uh, um, the uh, the friend who's the cellist is nice, but no, she's not Lizzie Olsen. And uh, everybody else is Jacqueline Bisset. <laughs> everybody, and everybody else is uh, uh, approaching uh, death. Um, <laughs> welcome to New York, uh, Bisset. Back in the day, yes, uh, yeah. that, yes, yes, a thousand times, yes, uh, not anymore. Um, no. and, and Hathaway, definitely, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everyone else was just a skanky, um, no, <laughs> okay. Okay. So what is that? That's um, that's a one point one one. one. Okay. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. God, this is just Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt is a yes. <laughs> Dave Bautista has been seduced. Yes. Lee Pace has been seduced. Can we just talk about how badly Pace was just to piss Irene off some more? Well, it's a terrible role. Yeah, and he brings nothing to it. I mean, I cannot believe someone that is naturally charming and charismatic as Lee Pace when you see him in Pushing Daisy mm. and putting a performance that uninteresting. Mm. Demon Unsu is being seduced. Mm. Uh, ben Wishaw in Lilting is a no. His dead boyfriend is a yes. <laughs> <laughs> So that's let me get his camp going. That's two. Roman Dury is being said. Ooh, closure for Messi. Yeah. Is it really? He he was in no last time. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, and Omar C who was in this. Oh really? Yeah, he was he was quite good in this actually. One of the better points. Um, he's a no. There's still two. So it's and Depardieu. A Depardieu. Was it was, uh, back in the day? Would he have been a yes? No. Never. Because, well, mm. um, uh, so that's a... 3.0. 3.0. Can we talk about how good the Welcome to New York title is, by the way? I forgot to mention that. I just thought it was a great title. Because when it, you watch it and see. Especially the context to it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, we have a website. It's movepodcast.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at Move podcast facebook and the movie podcast you can check out our work on our blogs <laughs> sounds like you've got a guardians of the galaxy review have you got a guardians of the galaxy review no yet? oh what? did you just mean the review in this episode oh yeah oh, oh, oh i don't know what you mean <laughs> well you said earlier that oh after the review you're like four mm. out of ten. Oh yeah but so the, that was yeah, the review yeah yeah so you can check out our work from the past. You can check out Pete's white ribbon annihilation. God, no, don't. Do yourself a favour, don't. At um, in the movieblog.blog.com. If you want to read a review of mine, good or bad, that I recommend, uh, type in the word blogiversary into the search bar. And for the last like three or three years, when I, when I did the awards, at the end of the year, I, I listed like five ex- uh, reviews of mine from the year that I that I liked that I thought people should see and it could, it could be a rave it could be a slating it's just a reviews it could be just something I did that was really different well that's good type in blog anniversary and uh, your, blog anniversary and you'll you'll see still the reviews I think are better okay 
It's a good one. And I haven't, I haven't written anything on ultimaddy.com. Yeah. So, but there's stuff from years ago if yeah. you want to read. My about... favourite review of my, that I I ever did was of Norwegian Wood, and it, because it was based on a. Um, I liked Norwegian Wood. Murakami. It's based on Murakami short story, and so what I did was I took two Murakami short stories and then put them together, and I just changed it. And so the one was about going to the zoo to watch to see kangaroos, and the other one was a, a bit in the middle of Tony Takitani where he's watching uh, a jazz concert. And I combined the two. And just changed about one, uh, a few things, just to make it seem like I was telling a story about going to the cinema to watch this film. <laughs> but like ninety percent of it was just actually Murakami's words. I just changed like watching a concert for going to see a film, <laughs> or go, going to the or going to the zoo to watch kangaroos to going to the cinema to watch a Murakami film. Isn't that um, Johnny Greenwood's classic? <laughs> that was Johnny Greenwood, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. That's all I remember, the clanging. Well, no, this is the thing that they were, they were in this story about uh, in Tony Takitani, who he'd been on stage watching his father play uh, a trombone. And by the way, the film Tony Takitani is absolutely five-star classic. I, I adore it. And he says, I was sat there watching him play, and I, sli- I started to feel like a lead pipe slowly filling with sludge. And I'm thinking, you were listening to Johnny Greenwood's score. <laughs> so that was what sort of like made me uh, think, yeah. I quite like Johnny Greenwood's score. I just thought it was way too long, Norwegian words. It's far too long. It needed 40 minutes cutting out of it. Mm. But you know. Much like this podcast. Probably. Okay, next week we have Hector and the Search for Happiness, which stars Simon Pegg. Is that an um, actual film? Is it it animated? Is it. uh... No, it's not animated, God. If only it was. Um, we've got Ari Fullman's The Congress. Oh, that's finally out. Okay. Is out with Robin Wright, the delectable Robin Wright. We have The the Rover, the new film from David McCord, who did Animal Kingdom. Guy Pierce looks fierce in that film. He does. The beard looks fierce. Oh, um, my God. There's too many jokes about uh, potentially <laughs> gay um, uh, married celebrities that I could do there. <laughs> and we have the first of a fortnight of Marion Cotillard. Um, Which one is it next week? Is it the um, uh, Dardens? Because I doubt it is not. I was going to say because I doubt that's going to be around by me soon. And can I well, point out that when I went to Valencia, I um, bought, actually bought a, a copy of Empire, and I really want to run downstairs now and try and find it because there was such an awful review of the police officer's wife, just the two two sentence review, which is just the most saurus like awful did they like it no but that's not the point because you know i wasn't a big fan of the film it's just like they they, 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 they use the most stilted um sentious language and uh it's just everything a bad review is um it doesn't take... no it's it's not the dardens next week although i'm quite looking forward to the dardens yeah so i am looking forward to it um and to the point that i didn't even read the review or the interview with her because i don't want to know i want to know as little about it as possible okay well, next week it's Blood Ties, which is the Guillaume Canet film. Right. I think he directs it. Yes, he did. That he does. That's how I read it. Uh, we've also got The Expendables Three. Oh God! <laughs> which, which I know someone who's seen online. Are we going to mention the um, the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Is that out next week? 
<laughs> I hope not. I saw these, There's uh, no way I'm no. saying that. I, you know what? I might just for the lols of it all. It's uh. Okay, it's not out. It's not. It's not out. Thank God. Thing is, I mean, we have the Unbeatables is out, which is the new um. God. The trouble, trouble is, stuff that's sort of like coming out is um, kind of stuff that we've already done. Uh, on the podcast, like A Promise is coming out soon. Boyhood's hitting all the uh, uh, local cinemas. Uh, the police officer's wife is out yeah. on the 22nd. Joe's, you know, Joe's like... doing the art house rounds. Uh, so it's a, it's a, that sort of problem where um, you get these films and we, we watch them or we've seen them at festivals or what have you. Um, and um, oh. oh, that's gone. Mr. Morgan's Last Love is around at the moment. That's doable. Blood ties from Friday. Blood ties. Blood ties is is available. Something like it hot is still playing. I still haven't been to see it. Too hungover. <laughs> <laughs> the eternal problem. Have yeah. you heard about this Vacolda? No. For the German doctor. It's an Argentinian film about Joseph Mengele experimenting on people in Argentina. Is uh, Larry Olivier hunting him down? <laughs> With dogs. <laughs> no, that would just be too disastrous. That film is just so off charts. It's ter- so terrible. Sorry. <laughs> I actually think it's so bad, it's mo- moderately entertaining. It's the 47 run you know, in 78. No, it's, no, it's just <laughs> like Twilight. It's just so... <laughs> It's just so cheesily bad. It's just a, so got such a horrendous command of tone that you actually find yourself laughing at it quite a lot. Oh yeah, the German doctor that's on uh, like the Amazon, yeah. So on. Okay, so we'll find something. This is usually the conversation we have after the, uh, <laughs> the podcast is finished. Yeah, we've extended this. Um. Yeah, well, we should have extended this. You've been away in two weeks. I've still seen the amount of films I would have normally seen in a week. <laughs> Blame Ibiza? <laughs> yeah, always. <laughs>